Kia ora koutou. What a privilege it is to be with you wherever you are today. Thanks for making the time to engage with us as a church. And we pray that through the service so far, Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and you feel blessed and encouraged and excited about going out to live a life on mission for Jesus this week. Encouraging and passionate. I'm sure we've all met those people, haven't we? You know the ones that no matter what seems to be coming their way in life, they seem to be all smiles, big hugs, friendly, outgoing, seemingly full of joy. They're exhausting, aren't they? (laughs) Well, personally, I love being around those people. They fill up my tank and I always come away from conversations with them feeling like I've been blessed and wanting to pass on that joy that someone else has passed on to me. Well, what fills up your tank? Maybe it's time on your own. Maybe out golfing with some friends or reading a book or coffee with your mum or dad. Imagine for a moment walking through your every day, excited and encouraged by what is around you. What would it look like if you really entered every day excited by the opportunities presented to us by life to share the hope and the joy and our love for the person of Jesus? Because these opportunities, they are around us every day. Consider what you think a life fully devoted to building the church and blessing others might look like. What do you picture? How would someone fully committed to building the church and blessing others live their life? Maybe you think that that person would would be on their knees at least three hours a day in prayer or have read the Bible from start to finish and back again every year. That That person probably leads people to Jesus in a prayer of salvation at least once a week. See, if that's what we're called to do, then I don't know about you, but I might have to count myself out of this building project. There are some people who live this way and called by God, we're grateful that they are part of the body of Christ. But in the Bible, it's not the criteria of who I see Jesus inviting to build his church. In Matthew 16, you would have heard it several times in the last few weeks, Jesus asked his disciples, but what about you? He said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So we could look at the scripture and say, wow, Peter, he knew the right answers. And so that's why God chose him. He'd spent real time with Jesus. And then when Jesus asked something of him, he knew what to say. And I wonder if we can look at Peter and count ourselves out and we can think, would we have that right answer? Would Jesus ever really want me to help establish the church here on earth? But be encouraged. See, Peter had received revelation from God the Father, not in a conversation with his friend Jesus. It was revelation by the Holy Spirit, intimacy with Christ 
that led Peter to the answer. Intimacy that we each have access to. We can see Peter as this perfect follower. And yet, there's so much more to Peter's story. See, Peter, he was a fisherman, a regular man, an early disciple, yes, and a commoner with a boat, a net and a calling from Jesus. He followed Jesus, Peter, an everyday man, but he spent time learning, watching, spending time with Jesus. And after so much time in such close proximity with Jesus, we find in Matthew chapter 14, just days or weeks before Peter gives this such good answer that we've read just before. And here we see Peter willing to step out and trust Jesus in a faith area. We find him willing to do something that didn't make sense in the natural, but trust in the leading of Jesus. And we see him step out of the boat that he's in and begin to walk across the waves to Jesus. What a great follower Peter is. But suddenly Peter notices the wind gusting. He feels the wind blowing his cloaks, his cloaks up against him. He, feel, he felt the waves lapping at his feet. And in the natural, in his perspective of things, it became too hard, too impossible, too massive a task. And he began to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Notice this next part in Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Jesus didn't watch Peter sinking and go, well, should have had more faith and watched him sink beneath the waves. He didn't look at Simon Peter and judge him, didn't stop to have a conversation with him while he was sinking. It says that he immediately reached out his hand and caught him. Simon Peter, in his faith, he still had doubts. But Jesus' first response was not one of condemnation or judgment, but was of a practical help. It was a hand, a hand of mercy to help pull him out of what was taking him down. And then Jesus turns to him and says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When I read this passage, I don't hear judgment or confusion in Jesus' voice. I hear compassion. Why did you doubt? My child, I had you all of this time. You were following my lead, trust me. I'm walking with you. I'm right beside you. Even in your doubts, I am here. Even when it seems impossible, I am near. When wind is blowing and waves lap at your feet, even as the storm is brewing all around you, have faith. You can walk on water. You can step out in faith. You can do what I've called you to do and I'm going to call you to build my church. It's not long after this that Jesus asks him this question that we read earlier, asks all of the disciples the question, who do you say that I am? And in Peter's response, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus hears this and says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. As we go on in Peter's walk with the Lord, we see that his journey is still not yet complete. He still might not match up to that 
image that we might have of that perfect follower of Jesus, the one who he's calling to build his church? Does he match the criteria of what we imagine Jesus would really want? Shouldn't he count himself out? But no, Jesus still chooses him and he still chooses you. Even as Jesus is hanging on the cross, Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times. As Jesus was being crucified, fulfilling the scriptures and defeating the enemy, taking all of our failures, our mistakes, the sin that we've done, all upon himself so that we could live in right relationship with him. That we could live in right relationship with the Father, with life in all of its fullness. In this moment, we see Peter, the one who just earlier Christ had said he would build his church on, was here denying that he'd ever even known who Jesus was. And yet by the grace and faithfulness of God, he, being Peter, went on to become one of the greatest leaders of the early church. So you don't count yourself out of this building project. Don't hesitate when you see the waves and have doubts. Choose to have faith and to bless others. To pick up a tool and begin the work. To serve and to love others. Yes, as the church on a Sunday, but in also in your everyday. Have you had someone over for a meal? Maybe written them a card or simply stopped and said hello. You know, when we do this with hope and joy and out of a love for Christ, we are building the kingdom. When we stand up for someone who's being downtrod, when we sit with someone mourning the loss of a loved one or offer to pray for someone who maybe is looking to buy a house in this market, when we do it from a place of intimacy with Christ, we are blessing others and building the church. When you have conversations that lead others to faith, Maybe share a church service online or tell someone of what God is doing in your life. You are blessing others and building the church. Building the church doesn't mean that we all sit or stand or share a message like I am with you today, but that we each tell stories of those to those around us. Stories that point people to Jesus. Stories that tell of his faithfulness in our lives. Stories that lead people closer to Jesus. Just the other week, Sarah and I received in our letterbox a, a note from one of our neighbours, just letting us know that they were going to be having a party to celebrate a 25th wedding anniversary. And just to let us know that that party might make some noise late in the evening and just to make us aware so that we weren't surprised or, or too annoyed when that happened. We've never met these particular neighbours. They live just across from us and one down. We know the ones on either side of us, we've had conversations with them, but these ones we haven't had the opportunity to meet just yet. But hearing of this celebration, we decided to write them a card, not only thanking them for letting us know that we should expect some noise in the coming days, but also to congratulate them on 25 years of marriage with, the, with Jeremiah and Sarah's love from number 10. Now this would be the part of the story where I tell you of their salvation in Jesus. But you know what? We haven't had the opportunity yet to have a further conversation with them. And who knows if we ever will. 
But when the opportunity arises, we will choose to be a blessing to those around us, to celebrate those things which God would celebrate. You know, we had to go out and we had to buy a card. It took time and money. And we had to sit and write a card to people that we didn't even know. But I believe that as we step out sometimes in the difficult, in the unknown situations, and choose to be a blessing, we're also building the kingdom of God. We don't just do good things, though, because it's the nice thing to do. We demonstrate the grace of Christ to others in every situation. We're not just kind because kindness is a popular thing to say and it's in so many advertisements, but kindness is an example of the fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence of life and intimacy with Jesus. We don't just forgive because otherwise it would be awkward to be around that person and we have to keep on seeing them. No, we forgive because understanding mercy and grace extended to us by God We can't help but extend grace and forgiveness to those who've done us wrong. Do you hear the difference? It may look much the same sometimes, but the passion behind it is a love for Jesus. It's a hope in Him. It's a desire to be obedient and knowing that as we step out in our obedience, on the other side of it lies someone else's salvation. See, your greatest opportunity, your greatest platform for generosity and grace is not necessarily on a Sunday morning, but it is as the church in your sphere of influence. Your greatest witness is likely not to be inside the walls of a church, but in your, but in your home to your family, in your workplace to your colleagues and to your boss, or to the delivery person who pops in once a week. Your greatest witness and opportunity to bless might not be a Sunday service or as you serve on teams in church, although you will certainly be a blessing to those in the church and you should join teams as part of the body of Christ. But your greatest opportunities to bless might be to the neighbours on your street who you know are having a rough time or your kid's teacher or to your employees. Yes, I can bless my fellow believers With gifts. Yes, I can and should be generous in my giving to Christ through the church. Yes, I should forgive the pastor if they make a mistake. We all need forgiveness at times as part of the body. We should extend grace and show mercy. But you are the church's greatest platform. You are your life, your personal life, your family, and your work life. You are the greatest example of what Christ has done to others. It is in every sphere that we have the opportunity and potential to build the church. It's in the marketplace. It's in our homes, in our families, in a Sunday service, and in communities that we build the church and establish the kingdom of God. Some of you may know the story of Nehemiah in the Bible, a workman in the king's palace. When Nehemiah heard of the destruction of his homeland in Jerusalem, he was greatly upset. Pondering it for a few days as he continued on with his job in the palace, his boss, the king, asked him if everything was all right. And replying with tears streaming down his face, 
He asked for some time off to go and survey and perhaps rebuild the walls. And the king was so gracious to Nehemiah. He not only gave him time off, but sent him with royal authority. Nehemiah surveyed the damage and he turned to the people of the city of Jerusalem and said this in Nehemiah 2, 17. He says, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. He goes on to say, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. The vision was cast and the people with a passion began to rebuild, each taking a section outside their house, taking responsibility for the areas around them. They got to work side by side, each building, repairing and re-strengthening the wall. And then opposition came. The enemy appeared on the horizon. The baddies came against them, but they did not stop building. You could say they felt the wind blowing and the waves at their feet, but they knew what they had been called to do. And so they built and they established a wall that would see generations through. They built with one hand and had a sword in the other. I think of it this way. When we are to build is to bless with one hand and hold intimacy with Christ in the other. It's not one or the other, it's both. Build from a place of intimacy. Build kingdom into everything that you do. I love that it has been put this way. You are the delivery system for hope. Don't count yourself out of this building project. Choose in faith to be part of the vision, to step out and put hope in others, to build with intimacy in one hand and blessing in the other. Intimacy with Christ and bless others because we are blessed. Like Peter, you may have answered, the question, answered Jesus' question with a yes in your heart. You've said to God, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God and believed it in your heart Well, this is just the starting point, the foundation of being part of building the kingdom of God and living in relationship with Him. There could be many hesitations. What ifs along the way? What if the wind blows? What if the waves lap at my feet? What if the enemy comes against me? What if people think differently of me? What if for a moment we were to remove the hesitation And let it speak. What might it be saying? What lies might that hesitation, that voice in your mind be saying to you about who you are to be joining the building of the church? Because this is the truth. We are all called to build the kingdom of God. Each one of us to go and make disciples, to step out into unknown places and make Jesus known. To build and to bless. Matthew 28 says this, so go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps today you've, you've heard the vision of build and bless this year. 
and you've decided it's great, it's exciting, and it's definitely something someone else should do. You're not quite good enough. You're not quite committed enough. Maybe you've counted yourself out of the building and blessing. In a moment, I'd love to pray for you. But before I do, I'd, I'd also like to acknowledge that anyone else who is uh, already part of the building of the church, who already has been helping expand the kingdom and yet finds themselves out on the water like Peter and is looking around noticing some of the difficulties of following Jesus, some of the tensions you might face in this world. I'd love to pray for you also to look up again to your Saviour. Fix your eyes on the hills. Where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord. Look up and call out to Jesus. Remember that he is right there. And asking the questions, why do you doubt? I'm right here. I've got you. Can we pray? Can I pray for you this morning? Lord, you are good and you are gracious and you are full of mercy. We're so grateful for your son and what he's done for us on the cross, that we might have life in all of its fullness. We might have life in all of its fullness in relationship with you. We know that as we put our trust in you, that you call us to build your church and to bless others. God, for people this morning who are hearing this call but counting themselves out of the project, would you encourage them? Put courage in them that they are enough, not in their own strength, none of us are, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. Right now, Holy Spirit, we release you into homes, living rooms, bedrooms, holiday homes, wherever your church is gathered and scattered today. Would you embolden them to step out on the water? to trust your calling and to begin building and blessing. And for those this morning who are committed and, and love your church, who serve you through the church, but this morning are noticing some of the tensions of life, are perhaps beginning to have some doubts of where they're walking. Would you by your Holy Spirit speak to them, remind them of your closeness, help them lift their eyes to the mountains, to recognise it is with you that they are walking and can do what you have called them to do. Lord, we thank you that you are patient for your kindness to us. And Lord, we say that we love you. We'll go wherever you lead us. We'll build where you call us and we'll bless wherever we are. I pray, pray that as people go out today, they'd be encouraged and passionate about building your church. Not count themselves out of the vision, but count themselves in as part of the church. Take responsibility for the areas of spheres of influence around them. That people might know the goodness of life knowing Jesus. We pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.